Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome, everyone, back to another edition of New Books in Education. This is your host, Ryan Allen. And today I'm excited to bring an author back onto the podcast that I think we had a nice conversation before. And I'm looking forward to talk about this new book. Uh, this is Dr. Prudence Joe, Professor, Department of Education. Now- Welcome, everyone, back to another edition of New Books in Education. This is your host, Ryan Allen. And today I'm excited to bring an author back onto the podcast that I think we had a nice conversation before, and I'm looking forward to talk about this new book. Uh, this is Dr. Prudence Joe, Professor, Department of Education, National Chengchu University in Taiwan, and she co-edited a book with Jonathan Spengler, a doctoral fellow, Institute of European and American Studies, uh, Academica Seneca, and this is Chinese Education Models in a Global Age, Springer, 2016. Uh, Prudence, thank you for joining me today. Yes, my pleasure. Uh, if we could, uh, maybe just could you tell a little bit about uh, yourself uh, and, and your co-editor, and then maybe just the, the makeup of the authors. You have quite an exciting uh, list of authors from people uh, all around the world, I think. Uh, we had uh, quite a few uh, contributors, you know, um, uh, 20 seven authors from nine countries, um, and the, uh, the Chinese education model, uh, if we put in Chinese, it's foreign, means the, uh, not only Chinese at home, but also overseas Chinese or Chinese all over the world, instead of just single China education. Uh, Jonathan is also a, a Dr. Farrell uh, at NCCU and myself couple with some professors from uh, like a, Professor Ru Teho and uh, Julia Kwan. They are all very uh, well-established scholars in this Chinese education research area for a long, long time. Yeah, absolutely. We had we had Ruth on the podcast uh, last year, I believe. So it's uh, yes. all, all connected, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yes. Uh, so can we talk about the inspiration? You're sort of uh, uh, focusing on, on this and, and maybe an important sort of time in Chinese education studies or education studies. What was the inspiration? Uh, I think the, the most important part is the, um, the rise, you know, uh, especially the rise of China nowadays uh, in economic, uh, political and military and, and cultural as well. So that uh, I think there's a need to uh, see uh, how, you know, this broader picture among the Chinese communities are doing and also uh, if they have any uh, common ground or different aspects in terms of their education achievement. And also um, when we look into the uh, PISA teams and also many other international student assessments, we also see many Chinese students, or I should say Chinese, not only from China, but also foreign 
education communities that, that they also accomplish quite well. Uh, students such as in Hong Kong, China, Taiwan, uh, even uh, Singapore, uh, Macau, uh, they are doing quite well, especially in the written, uh, written exam assessment. So I, I, I think there's a need, and also because um, there hasn't been any work in this regard. There are tons of uh, works on Chinese education, means that PRC along Chinese education, but they are not, or even, I, I haven't seen any in the uh, in specific uh, discussing the foreign, uh, and the uh, Chinese all over the world. So we are, you know, we are very happy to, um, you know, come up with this idea to see whether there are any commonalities or differences among Chinese uh, people around the world and how uh, there are any a common trait or any uh, inspiration that uh, Chinese education model could exist or could also contribute to the rest of the world. Sure, mm -hmm. sure. So, so you're essentially taking not just when we hear China or Chinese, often, as you mentioned, that's, you know, people think of PRC, uh, mm -hmm. But but you're looking at this massive uh, group across the world that are that are not just living in Asia that might be living even in in Africa or South America. Of course, and uh, Chinese communities in, in North America are are quite known. So uh, you're kind of trying to take all of those and, and understand sort of what what's the makeup or how are they succeeding in education? Yeah, and also what kind of uh, any. Failure, or no, we we'll, we'll like to share uh, these stories, you know, about the Chinese community around the world. Uh, and also, uh, in the long run, we try to create a platform for debate, whether there is one single Chinese education model or not, and also encourage a broader understanding of Chinese and Chineseness, mm. you know, in, in so to speak. And also, uh, you know, as I mentioned before, we try to uh, promote author diversity and inclusivity by uh, inviting uh, you know authors who are interested in this uh, regard and also uh, so not only Chinese uh, scholars but also we also include many Westerners or and also some from North and South America and also it's all all over the world and whoever are interested in this uh, you know topic, they are more than welcome to join us. Yeah. Sure. Uh, of course, um, we, we like to serve as a foundation for future research as well. Uh, because I've done quite a few uh, talks over this book, and I realized that the deeper we dig in, the more we need to fulfill in the future. So that's why I, I probably am thinking about the second volume or the third volume in the future. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Mm -hmm. So it, it really sounds like you're trying to build uh, sort of a framework for yes. future future studies. Can, can you talk about maybe what that framework might look like or uh, to, to study this quote-unquote Chinese education models? Yes. Uh, as I, I, I mentioned uh, before, um, there's a diversity uh, in this uh, special uh, issues, especially um, – you know how we we when we were dealing with this uh, whether there should be a single Chinese education model, as most people would consider, you know, oh yeah, 
Chinese education model should be something like a very Confucius Anism uh, or you know a very uh, exam driven and very root memory something like that. But actually, when we um, you know uh, try to uh, bring our uh, discussion about this project, we realize that um, actually um, how does this topic you know. For example, uh, we always ask the um, authors, you know, uh, whether there should be one single or, or multiple education models in this uh, Chinese community, in, in many Chinese communities. And for example, we always ask them to focus on a single, a specific question. How does your chapter represent a Chinese education model or models? Uh, so we structure, as you say, we, the main main four parts of this framework when we try to de de deal with the uh, past, especially part one in the book, when past meets future, which was um, more dealing with uh, historical cultural aspects. For example, you know, how China, the modern Chinese education system uh, evolved since 19th century and how they, uh, you know, uh, developed over time and how uh, Chinese education adapt or adapted from uh, you know uh, Western model as well something like that that we try to deal with in the first uh, section and the second section is the um, when East uh, meets West we realize that um, because there is such a vast uh, you know uh, region that we are we are covering, so that uh, many um, education theories and practices not only limited to the East in China alone, but also the uh, the West. For example, we also deal with some uh, Chinese communities uh, or Chinese uh, acquisition, such as in uh, uh, Canada, in New York, or even in. Uh, you know, uh, Australia sure. or New Zealand, sure. and also so that we'll try to see, you know, how what kind of models that we can, you know, come up with, and how feature what kind of features that uh, authors can present from their, you know, own educational pra practices and also theories. And the third one is, of course, we have to deal with theory and practices. So that's how we come up. Uh, some of the authors, they also try to look into the historical background, you know, anything to do with the Chinese education model. For example, the cultural part, uh, the uh, Confucius, and also the, um, even nowadays, the neoliberalism, how that uh, theory has been adapted into the Chinese education practices. And the last one, conclusion, we try to come up with some, some of the, uh, uh, the features of our book that would be something more interesting maybe i can share with you later yeah sure yeah that mm -hmm. that would i would certainly personally be interested in, in that sort of uh theory side and sort of how you guys wrapped it up uh mm -hmm. if we could maybe talk about some of those lessons that came out of it uh you you present sort of these attributes uh that i think maybe are themes that you found in all the different uh studies or works and you you have sort of three points uh dynamism hybridity, and heterogeneity. Can you kind of talk about those three factors and, and how they uh, uh, play into uh, this, this model? Uh, yes. 
The uh, Chinese education models are very dynamic, especially uh, when we say um, it's changing over time, as I mentioned uh, previously. For example, uh, we had a we have a chapter looking into the um, uh, the modern the foundation of the modern Chinese education system uh, from uh, from 1850, and we come up with the that uh, Chinese education has been changing over time, not only to the uh, to fulfill the uh, uh, government officials during the imperial uh, exam era before 1905, but also in the later time that um, education also uh, served as the uh, national development, of course, economic development as, as well, and also the individual fulfillment for students along. So you can see the uh, uh, it, it, it's the, the education theories and, and practices uh, are very dynamic and changing. Uh, you know when the time evolves. The first one. Sure. And the second, uh, the second part that we found that uh, Chinese education models are you know made up of uh, hybridity, which means that um, the Huayan uh, Jiaoyi Chinese education models are very much influenced by other education models. For example, we also provided uh, a chart that um, a timeline that explained the um, ed how education model development stages in many, for example, uh, things that meet 1980s mm. up to current period. And we can we can see that um, the influence are really um, uh, huge. For example. Um, you know, not only from uh, traditional Chinese culture by the uh, uh, Confucianism and also Taoism and also Buddhism as well. Uh, also, the uh, influence of uh, German models, influence sure. of American model, Japanese model, uh, British models are also part of the, this story. So I guess that it's it's and not. Uh, let alone that uh, Chinese education now, it's um, many Chinese communities in uh, North America, or even in uh, in the South, um, uh, Australia, New Zealand, how they carry on uh, Chinese language acquisition, uh, you know, based on their uh, social context, sure. the need of social context. So it's also very interesting to see how Chinese education uh, has tailored, you know, mm -hmm. to the uh, context. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and the last one is the, uh, uh, as you mentioned, that Chinese uh, education model uh, are full of, um, uh, so how do you say? Uh, yeah, heterogeneity, like different contexts yeah. and different, yeah. Different. For example, um, when we do, you know, as I mentioned before, the Chinese education models also cover a huge um, uh, geographic region, you know, whether it's based on country, it's based on rural or urban, it's, it's another uh, huge, uh, you know, story, a, a, big, a big discussion over the book, in the book. And so discipline, we also deal with math, foreign languages, and Chinese, uh, uh, Chinese language acquisition issues in the book. And also the other one is whether um, 
institution type and level, whether it's university, kindergarten, or public or private, uh, it's also, um, you know, the, the, the format, the form, it's quite a di uh, diverse, you know, um, based, you know, topic. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I especially interested in, in sort of the idea of, of thinking about the, the Chinese model uh, globally. I think that's important to remember uh, that that often maybe gets lost in, in some of our studies that we do. Uh, and of course, institution type moving from kindergarten or, or uh, pre preschool education, even uh, up to the university uh, certainly is going to have a different. Uh, uh, a di oh. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Say, it's a very ambitious project. When sure. we start with this one, as I mentioned, we call for uh, chapters run over all over the world. We although we target, um, you know, the less than a hundred authors who have been uh, in this area, mm -hmm. and so uh, we we won't we don't we didn't want to limit themselves because you know we are looking into their research um, mainly. So. Uh, in the end, we came up with, you know, a diverse uh, contributing chapters all over topics. So that also um, represents the diversity uh, of, of the Chinese education model in reality. Right, right. You also talk about uh, the different elements, and you have this nice little model that, you know, we can't see on the podcast, but sort of Chinese education mm -hmm. in the middle, and then all these arrows coming out, shooting to norms. Uh, shooting out to institutions and shooting out to uh, individuals. Can you kind of talk a little bit about uh, these elements and how how they factor into this as well? It's probably uh, getting oh, yeah, a little sure. bit in, yeah into the right. theory side. Yeah, yeah. Sure. For example, the models we found are made up of norms. Uh, many they are relate. They are relating to uh, like cultural heritage or what society that education system it's based upon, or teaching and parenting practices. Uh, especially we were, uh, in the beginning, I was trying to invite some of the uh, uh, celebrities, such as the, uh, the Tiger Mom, mm. uh, Amy, Professor Amy Trapp, right, to join right. us. Unfortunately, she couldn't make it. Sure. And also learning. Learning is also very, very controversial, controversial you know, whether the Chinese um, students are, are very uh, uh, exam-driven or they also have been very creative uh, in, in, in the global era. Sure. So I think these issues are also um, you know, discussed in, in our book in uh, the norms uh, aspect. Right. And, uh, uh -huh. uh, and the second one, the norm, uh, we also uh, touch upon uh, example, uh, to be more specific, like the one I just mentioned about society, we, we come up with some very common, um, you know, uh, common features. For example, society, we deal a lot with social mobility, mm. uh, national development, meritocracy, you know, collectivism, and family or society cohesion, something like that in, the, uh, in our discussion of the uh, societal aspect and also teaching and parenting we also deal with uh, you know whether ideal teachers are very authoritarian figure or they are very student-centered we see diverse you know not uh, diverse models within the, this teaching and, and parenting uh, model right. and learning actually yeah 
emphasis on hard work and persistence are very common among the Chinese society even today. Sure, sure. How about the how about institutionally? Do we find some commonalities across, or or uh, at least some maybe key yeah, themes? We we found that that it's very interesting, especially education. You know, for example, the uh, teachers' social status has been high. Mm. You know, uh, since since long since in uh, in in many many centuries ago. So that uh, even today the um, institution part teacher education has been always the core for um, uh, you know, national development. And also, uh, and also, many of the education sectors um, are very are owned by government. For example, um, especially in the uh, um, eastern part of the world, like um, Hong Kong, China, Taiwan, as well, um, are many universities are owned by government. Unlike the U.S. model, you know, mostly are very are private owned universities. Uh, in Chinese society, most Universities are government uh, sponsored, you know, sure. we call pub, uh, national government university. And business has played um, um, a emerging role these days. Uh, so that um, we, although many Chinese uh, universities are lacking uh, public uh, donation or something, but it's becoming more and more so, especially when uh, parents spend so much money on children's uh, shadow education. I right. mean, cram uh, uh, school or bushijiao means supplemental education. That education before college, or I should say K to 12, becoming very, very, uh, sometimes could be uh, very, very business oriented. Right. right. Uh, it means that, that parents invest a lot from their own uh, pocket money, something like that. So? Yeah, absolutely. Then, oh, uh, sorry, go ahead. And then, uh, because education has been always very the, the core in uh, Chinese uh, communities, parents spend lots of, um, you know, they always try to um, push their kids ahead, you know, mm. no matter at what cost, you know, that, that, that's, for some reason, I mean, maybe it's part of culture or because of the society, uh, job market or the, the way social function uh, has been, you know, re, uh, reproduced, that education has been always uh, a very important, how do you say, practice or, or uh, a concept. Sort of a, uh, a cultural characteristic, maybe, something. Yes, something like yes, that. yes. And, uh, the, you know, for example, in China, they just had their, their college entrance exam. Mm -hmm. uh, Right. Uh, in China and also in Taiwan, in Hong Kong, Macau as well. And that event, uh, you know, for example, the traffic should detour or, right. or, or there will be policemen on the street that to ask them not to, uh, you know, hong or a passenger or something like that. It, it's always very, very interesting to see that how education play a major role in this society. Right. And yeah. so did in, in, in some of the research, did you also find that uh, when these communities are abroad as well, they they strongly retain that that identity. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. For example, um, I mean the Tiger Mom issue has been one of the the, the uh, major debate or controversies in in the U.S. Right. Not long ago, 
and also um you know um it's still it's sometimes from Westerner perspective it's hard to believe how Chinese parents or you know Chinese descent with this Chinese descent that still value education uh, so much on on their children um, for example um, is you know the Chinese education model are also made up of individuals which include teachers teachers as I mentioned are also very highly uh, respected mm-hmm. in most of the Chinese uh, societies. Students are also very important to play their, their role, although many of them are, you know, um, very concerned about exam results. And but more and more students are, they are coming up and you know try to voice out their opinions. And also employers, taxpayers, policymakers, and so on are also very concerned with the education uh, policies and how education can prepare uh, for their future uh, uh, employees, sure. something like that. Hmm? Sure. If, if we could, uh, kind of moving to the, to the end, the kind of the conclusion of the book, you, I think you kind of set up uh, something for future research uh, just to think about or maybe to give us a jumping off point. Can you kind of talk about some of those aspects that, that you're hoping? For? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the, the book is only a start. As I mentioned, it, it's, uh, we try to create a platform, a framework to begin with our argument whether there is, uh, the Chinese education model or models exist uh, around the globe. And we came up with this, you know, diverse discussions over this Chinese education models. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess after this project, um, we were we are very looking forward to some uh, you know issues such as that we uh, we think there should be more case studies, you know, specific and concrete case studies from various Chinese communities around the world, and then the success and failure stories to be portrayed or analyzed. Because the, very often they, um, especially in the U.S., many Asian um, students are considered the uh, always the success, the successful generation. But actually, not exactly. Uh, I mean, there are also some failure stories that deserve attention as well. So I, I guess there's kind of mixed stories that we should uh, po- uh, portray and to share with the, the rest of the world. Yeah, absolutely. And also, okay. Oh, and also. What the world can learn from these Chinese education models, especially how resilient, I have to say, I use the resilient, mm. the models continue to carry on regardless of Chinese migrations or uh, even in a suppressed world that, that yeah. this kind of uh, education um, has been very indebted to their mentality that they carry on regardless uh whether uh, they are in a in a developed world or they were trapped in a suppressed region, that right. uh, education does carry on. Right, it, it's not. remained sort of salient uh, throughout the yeah. societies. Okay, well, fantastic. So we always ask one final question on the New Books Network, uh, and you kind of covered a little bit, but uh, I still still want to ask. So, what's next? What's your next sort of project that you that you're working on? <laughs> Um, because of this book, um, 
if I I want to put it in this way, I, I think it's a series of my research topics mm -hmm. that um, I like to share with my audience and readers. Sure. Um, right now, I I have I uh, wrote uh, two chapters in this book, a couple with the previous, and also the editing work. I deal and now I'm dealing with the world class university project. Okay. That especially in this book. Uh, we we found out that um, the world so-called uh, world-class university ranking started in Shanghai Jiao Tong University and also QS and London Times Supplement Higher Education Supplement. Right. Um, they created a tremendous uh, impact on university operation and management and governments in, in not only in China but also. Uh, in Taiwan, in Macau, Hong Kong, Singapore, many, many, with many Confucius heritage area. So I guess, uh, especially, uh, if, as I mentioned before, the SSCI syndrome, mm -hmm. or the, the um, point system, which means how many uh, papers, journal articles you published in certain uh, criteria, uh, with the high impact factor, something like that, becoming very, very instrumental and uh, quantitative oriented that at the expense of university academic autonomy and freedom. That's something I think we need to uh, really uh, give our voice and, and, and say no. And so that's my next project would be something that I can hopefully with this uh, Chinese education model uh, as a foundation, we can come up with some kind of alternative uh, ways of looking into what uh, world-class university means. Yeah, fantastic. Context. Yeah, that that's personally, I'm, I'm writing my dissertation on that, so maybe we can uh, uh, chat off the podcast a little bit. So uh, definitely interested in, from for my personal perspective, and we look forward to uh, that that future work. Um, but I do thank you for being on the podcast today. Uh, thank you for rejoining us again from, from your previous yeah. work. And uh, to, to all my listeners, please go check out Chinese Education Models in a Global Age. I thank Dr. Prudence Cho, Cho who's, who joined us today, and also her uh, co-editor, uh, Jonathan Spengler. Uh, and to everyone out there, I hope you learned something. 